Welcome to another episode of Decaf by the Beacon Center of Tennessee. I'm Taylor. And not as always, you know, I always say as always, I'm joined by my coworker, Mark. Mark is out today. So fresh special guest on the show today, a current Nashville resident, but not for long, my coworker, Ron Schultes. Ron, how's it going? Thanks, Taylor. I'm excited to join you in the new setup. Yeah, I would have a nicer background, but we're like, <laughs> our house is full of boxes and everything. This is the only somewhat unobstructed view that I had uh, with moving next week. But uh, Ron is staying with us at Beacon, but he is going to be moving to, you want to tell him or you want me to? You can tell him. Moving to Jackson, my wife Kristen got a really great opportunity out that way. So we get to still work remotely with Beacon, which is, I'm very blessed. And uh, we get Such to- Such a gift. Yes. And then take advantage of some cheaper housing prices in Jackson yes. versus Tennessee, which- or versus Nashville, which I know we're going to talk a little bit more about later. Yeah, let's literally jump into that right now. So I saw an article on Forbes or Fortune, one of those, I get them confused, but I saw an article today about 10 housing markets that were cooling down, none of which were Nashville. I don't blame you for leaving, but I think that one of the big reasons that people are having such a hard time living in Nashville, there are a lot of reasons, of course, it's a multifaceted issue, but Mm -hmm. zoning in Nashville is a huge huge problem. A lot of the restrictions that they put on people's homes. I just did a speech last week at our annual meeting about home businesses and how Nashville for so long tried to restrict home businesses, which could be a source of income, make people's homes dual purpose living. But that's not even the most egregious example we have for you this week. Ron sent an article early this morning about a very egregious zoning faux pas that Nashville has made. Ron, jump into that and tell us what's going on with these poor Lipscomb students that are facing eviction. (laughs) Credit to the Tennessean. They had an article this morning about there are rules often in zoning that cover how many non-related people can live in a building like one house. Which is also so dumb, but keep going. (laughs) So these three Lipscomb girls are sharing a house, right? I mean, pulling all together, it's college, right? You just need the cheapest place you can live. So they're splitting a four bedroom house between three of them, but you can't have more than three unrelated people living together. And it's a four bedroom house and they have four of them. So they've gotten this code violation and they're going to be evicted unless the ordinance changes. So it's a four bedroom house and they can't even fill it out without breaking the law. That is insane. Right. And how many times have college students, you know, crammed in on a house, how, you know, for years trying to save some money, but believe it or not, because of these silly laws on the books, you can't even rent out every bedroom in a house if you're a bunch of college students and if they don't change the law. And what's funny to me is the quotes from like the Metro Council members like, oh, maybe we've gone too far with some of this. You know, I'm really concerned <laughs> about housing prices. It's like, you caused this, right? You these did the, this. Yeah, these are the types of things that jack up housing prices because we make it harder for people to try and build more homes, you know, uh, build tinier homes. It's crazy. Do we know how long this law has been on the books? Because when I first moved to Nashville, I had no friends. And so I chose a living situation of three other girls so that I would have friends. I lived in a house, four of us in one house in the nations back in 20, from 2018 to we moved out in July of 2020. So I lived in that house for two years with three other girls. So I was probably breaking the law, which 
Just yeah. one of many, one of many codes violations. I'm sure I have. Like, I'm sure my grill on the porch breaks a codes violation. Gosh, I'm going to get chased now. But like, how long has this law been in effect? And if it's new, why now when so many people are having trouble living in their own homes? Like, I don't understand. Most of these zoning laws are going on a century or at least decades, oh years old. So who knows how long it is? But you know, the old people always say the statistic, like you break three rules or three laws a day and you don't even realize it. Like you just giving that example just shows oh. how true that is. And it's that just means we have too many laws on the books. Like when you can go through your daily life and not hurt anybody and probably break three laws a day. That just means we have too many laws, in my opinion. Well, and that goes back to, we talked about this a few weeks ago on the podcast with with Mark, but the Nashville Scene article, and we wrote a blog post about that too. Nashville, is it the it city or the snitch city? Nashville Codes is out there working overtime to try to bust people for in the Nashville scene article that we referenced last time. And if you look it up and you look up Nashville scene and codes department, you'll probably find it. This one codes inspector had a bee in his bonnet for this one guy. And he was going out to his property, writing him tickets for things like having a can of Coke sitting on his porch, like just ridiculous things. And the Nashville codes department grew exponentially over the last year, more budget to it, more codes inspectors. And it just seems like they're looking, they're not out there. They're reporting people who are actually doing stuff that's going to hurt someone. They're just looking for people to ride up is what it feels like to me. I don't know. Correct me if you think I'm wrong, Ron. I don't think so. I mean, I think, you know, the idea with a lot of these local laws is is to mitigate nuisance, right? It, I, like if I was blaring Metallica on my back porch at 2 a.m., right? Like that's this type of I would stuff. take issue. I would take well, issue. <laughs> understandably so. And so I, I think those are the types of things that code should be focusing on, not these silly things like three teenage girl or college girls living in a house versus, oh, we want to have a fourth and then we got caught because you can't have more than three, even though it's a four bedroom house, you know? Like if there yeah. was people in that, maybe, but where's the harm in any of this, right? Where's, where's the, the harm in that? Exactly. Oh my gosh, I keep a Coke on my front porch, you know? Who's actually harmed? I, I think there needs to be kind of this reckoning of, are these laws on the books actually preventing some kind of nuisance or harm, or are they just being used as tools to like cite people to get money? Well, that was my next question for you, Ron, is what's the solution? And I think you just said it, is reevaluating a lot of these laws and seeing are the codes violations that we have violations against things mm-hmm. that would actually harm people or are they just things that we don't like? And I think that's something that we have to really consider whenever laws come up, you know, the transportainment vehicles debate, all of these different things. We have to evaluate, is this something we don't like or is this something where people are getting hurt? Because if it's just something we don't like, there's a lot of things I don't like. Auburn being one of them, <laughs> like make Auburn illegal. People would have trouble with that. But that's, that's again, like people's livelihoods, people's lives that we're just making illegal just because we don't like it. And that's a huge problem. I think our policy team is definitely going to have, I don't want to give away too much. I feel like I'm giving spoilers, but this is something that we're really looking at in the future is zoning. And we did our city freedom index. We're really taking a look at some of these local things that are keeping people from living their most happy and prosperous lives that are just arbitrary laws that cities put into place. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> Let's. I hate to take us from something that is a downer, but that we can make fun of to something that actually is so tragic. If you have been living under a rock, then you did not see, but if you've been living in the world, you have seen that Hurricane Ian 
is absolutely wreaking havoc Mm -hmm. on Florida. There's a girl in my Bible study, Lindsay, she and her family, uh, they're from the southernmost point of Florida. They're like 45 minutes away from Key West. And she texted us and said, please pray for my family. They're hunkered down. I think I saw the latest number was 1.8 million Floridians are out of power. I saw a video of so many line workers ready to move in and and do work. And it is a tragedy. And just like any tragedy, uh, the media starts to politicize it. And let me just say, I think I say this every time there's a tragedy, the media starts to politicize it. I'm sick of it. It's not why we have media to politicize things. It's not their job. I think they think it's their job, but it's not their job. Now is not the time to turn people against each other. And I just, I don't have a solution for that, Ron. I don't know if you do, but I, it, it just is the very most frustrating thing to see people suffering looking for family members and people walking up to press conferences and trying to politicize this. It's, it's, it's despicable, honestly. Uh, Couldn't agree more. It's, it's really sad to see. I don't have any family down there, but we do have some family friends that live just South of Tampa and their house is completely flooded. Supposedly that's the last word we got last night, but they're doing well. And so anybody who has any friends or family, you know, uh, thoughts are with them. Yes, Uh, absolutely. It it is. I mean, it's so frustrating. Like, Think about, I remember right after 9-11, like the country was so unified. I feel like today that would be politicized, right? I mean, absolutely. there's, there's nothing that can happen nowadays that should when, that should be bringing people together is being used to drive wedges. It's, it's so frustrating. Like, I don't know if you saw the clip from CNN with Don Lemon. I think it was last no. night or prior. They're literally having breaking news, just the CNN meteorologist or like the head of the national, you know, weather center, something like that. Yeah. Like a yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's giving an update on the hurricane. And he tries, Don Lemon's like, D- you know, it seems like these storms are getting worse. Do you think that's due to climate change? He's like, you can't pin climate change on any one event. Let's just focus on this one event, this one hurricane. And then, Thank you, uh, Mr. You, Meteorologist, sir. Yeah. And you could see Don Lemon kind of almost get disappointed. He's like, well, I'm from that area. I'm seeing the storms getting worse and worse every year. This has to be due to climate. It, 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 I mean, and the guy's like, let's not just, can we just focus on this one storm and, and what people need to do to get out safely, all that kind of stuff before we talk about any type of issue extrapolating from a hurricane and what people are going through right now. It, I mean, it's, it's really disgusting in my opinion. It's a situation of now is neither the time nor the place. Read the room. People mm-hmm. are in great danger right. in Florida right now. People are suffering. Why, instead of saying, is this due to climate change? Why not say we need to help like use your platform to direct people to giving to the American Red Cross, to any of the missions in Southern Florida that are helping people out from this uh, Habitat for Humanity, which I'm sure will be very busy following this hurricane as they always are. And you know, if you don't like the government's response to something, welcome, love to have you here. But there are so many places to direct our attention, to direct our funds that are not government groups. And Like, I'm sorry, Don Lemon, no one really cares at the moment when people are dying, when people are suffering to talk about a public policy issue. No, it's not the time. Read the room. Exactly. I mean, that's my number one point is, is talking about what, what does that do to somebody who's in that situation? Like, well, you know, I think this is due to this, right? Or, or what it's like, 
well, that doesn't matter to me right now. My house is destroyed. You know, I'm waist deep in water and yeah. my kids are sitting on a surfboard. So I'm really sorry. I can't, I can't listen to you right now. It's just, yeah. it's not the news. And I think this goes back to what we talk about a lot. It's mainly in the national media. It's not as bad in Tennessee because honestly, Tennessee media truly cares. When we go through a crisis, everyone bands together. So mm-hmm. I extract Tennessee media from this and I'm looking at you, national media. Read the room. Mm-hmm. Know your audience. Nobody, when they are suffering, wants to blame a natural disaster on this, that, or the other, a certain person, a certain person. Nobody, nobody wants to do that. A natural disaster is a natural disaster. They're called that for a reason. Now is not the time to blame. If you want yeah. to blame, do it next year between hurricane seasons. See if you can figure something out then. But we're in the midst of an absolute tragedy in Florida and the media. You know, I, I do think it's the rise of internet and the rise of clickbait that is causing a lot of this. Because like you said, in 9-11, they would try to politicize it now, Mm -hmm. even though they did it then. And it's the rise of internet media. And that's why I've taken a significant step back from all social media. I am off the social media app. I have one hour a day that I can look at them. And usually I'm doing work things in that one hour. And I do stuff on my laptop. I I have all our beacon stuff pulled up on my computer. But I realized that the things that are being reported on are taking me to a really bad mental space. And so I set a one hour time limit. My roommate has the password. She's the only person that can unlock it. And I don't know what it is, even though I kind of think it's her boyfriend's name, but I haven't tried it yet. But because I don't want to, because once my phone locks up, I'm done. If I can recommend anything for mental health, it's to get off the social media apps because I'm feeling better than ever, except for on game days. Let's talk about football. Let's turn this around a little bit. On game days, I really do miss it. But Ron, spicy news out of Georgia Tech this week. (laughs) Let's give Ron, listen, Bama, Bama's always on the front of my mind. But Georgia Tech has been on the front of my mind since the absolute butt whooping that y'all got first week. Yes. So as a rambling right from Georgia Tech, it's been a very depressing time the past couple of years. We finally fired our coach after just over three seasons and the AD this week. Mm -hmm. I want to put it in perspective. Okay, Taylor, listen to this. Two weeks ago, he just got his 10th win in over three seasons. Not like top 10 wins, his 10th win. Okay. Like, like, like this many wins. Yes. Last year we ended games with Notre Dame and then Georgia a hundred to zero. Okay. And then what? Yeah. And then we lost to Clemson the first game this year, 41 to 10. Then we beat a FCS little sisters of the poor school and then lost to Ole Miss 45 to zero. So if you take like our last four like games against D one schools, it was literally like 190 to 10. That's how bad it's gotten. I know we're never going to be the Bama, but it's like seven, five, eight, and four. And then every three years, you get a 10, 11 win season, right? You have like an older team that's seniors and you make mm-hmm. a run, right? And yes. it, it's just been brutal. And then here's the real spicy news, Taylor. The tables are turning. Let's hear it, baby. So there's a lot of smoke about Deion Sanders becoming our coach, which I- That is so spicy. Not be more fired up about prime time coming back to Atlanta to, to coach at Georgia Tech. Listen, here's the thing about about all of this is he's coming from Jackson State in Florida, not Jacksonville State, which I'll be at the game this weekend. Any fellow Gamecocks out there? Let me hear you. Beaks up. Fear the beak. Anyway, I can't stop talking about football, but he will be coming, hopefully, to Georgia Tech from Jackson State. He's a big name. We don't know if he's Georgia Tech Cal. We don't know anything about this, but if he comes to Georgia Tech, all I'm saying is when Nick Saban came to Alabama, Alabama had some bad years. We were really, really good. And then we had the dark days of my childhood. 
childhood. And then we made a substantial investment in coach Nick Saban. When we invested in coach Saban, everything at Alabama got better. Okay. And we love, we love sports on this podcast. We love sports in this office. We love baseball, basketball, volleyball, golf, soccer, all all the things. We love all the sports. But in the South, we are football people. And when you invest money in a great football coach in the South, everything improves. And so if Deion Sanders is a huge investment for Georgia Tech, my hot take is they should make it because it's going to make everything better. It's going to bring so many more people to the school. It's going to, it's going to be huge. I think it would be I think it would be incredible. Well, not only, I mean, here's, here's my thing is when I was there, we were pretty good. We were usually around a borderline top 25. If you had a senior, mm-hmm. a team with a bunch of seniors, you know, my sophomore year, we won the ACC, beat Clemson, went to the Orange Bowl, won another Orange Bowl. Like we've had, you know, usually like good years every couple of years and then consistent, at least a bowl team. And it's just, just been so rough. If he becomes the coach, if this really happens, like you want to talk about the people who normally wouldn't give a rip about like all the national attention is going to be oh, yeah. on us and on him. And he will just make it like, can you imagine how fun it would be to play with Deion Sanders? Like everyone's going to want to come to Georgia Tech. <laughs> I mean, everyone's it butts in the seat. Like it will be. a Yes. Game. So I don't yes. know. Of a co- I mean, Apparently he's doing very well at Jackson State. I mean, it's obviously a different ball game being in like Division One, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I can't imagine, first of all, that we'd be any worse. But then also, right? <laughs> how how exciting and engaging it would be. It would really like Saturdays have been really boring for me for like four years. I know. You know. I and, know. And having that joy of Saturdays back, I'm looking forward to. It. I hope this happens. Well, best of luck for that. I really hope I really hope to see in the news that I will I will turn on Twitter alerts so that when I get my one hour of Twitter every day, I'll get some Georgia Tech news. That's what I've got my fingers crossed for. Before we go, we have a few more minutes left to talk about something other than college football, which I hate to change the subject, but I do have to talk about this. Okay. Everybody knows that every time Ron is on the podcast, we talk about his YouTube finds. Ron is the king of YouTube. And he sent me two videos this week. One of them was by the Daily Wire and they drove around Nashville and did a pumpkin spice latte tasting. And I'm not a huge fan of the PSL, but they ranked Crema in Nashville as the number one. If you are in Nashville this weekend... Do yourself a favor, go to Crema and get the Peregrino. Now, Justin's going to hate this because Justin is fundamentally, religiously, spiritually, morally opposed to pumpkin spice. However, Crema has the very best. Ron knows his target demographic when he sends me these YouTube videos, but I mostly want to talk about the one you sent about the documentary of Nashville Bachelorettes. Ron, give them a rundown of what's going on in this doc. So somebody did a documentary. I think they're doing the premiere pretty soon. And so I found the trailer for it of this guy just like interviewing bachelorette culture in Nashville, which, you know, if you haven't been to Nashville, it's a thing, right? We all watch out. Yes. And so it's I mean, he goes like very seriously, almost like Matt Walsh, just very prim and proper and then goes around to all these different bachelorettes and just gets like harassed by them practically. Well, yes. I mean, and, and, and what's interesting, though, is he's taking a look at like how this developed. It seems to have such an outsized influence on the city, but it's like such a, <laughs> believe it or not, a small proportion of the yes. tourists 
overall. Yes. It's the same like phenomenon as we talk about in politics, though. The loudest people get all the attention. And honey, those bachelorettes are loud. I went to Broadway. The first time I ever went to Broadway was in 2018. I was 27 or 28. And I went out one night just to observe. In 2018, in the fall of 2018, we counted 27 different bachelorette parties on one night and we stayed in one bar the whole time. Imagine if we had ventured out 27 in one night. It was too much. It was too much. It really is. I mean, you point, you hit the nail on the head. It's that vocal minority. And so it (laughs) seems like the city is just, they're coming out of the woodwork and that that's all that comes here. But somehow Mm. it's only a small proportion, but yet that's what everybody sees and picks up on. It's and, and so he so talks about and goes into like, how did this happen? Like, why Nashville? What is it really doing to the city? And all, it looks mm-hmm. fascinating. I can't wait to watch it, especially as soon as a Jackson resident. I'd be like, what the heck is going on in that? <laughs> Good thing I left. I know you get to get out. Listen, the rules are in Nashville. You stay hung. If you're not familiar with Nashville, let me tell you. On Saturday nights, there are very, there are a few areas of town where you can go to eat safely from the locust swarm of bachelorettes. There's one bar, and I'm not even going to say the name of it because the bachelorettes haven't discovered it. But that is like. That is the one place that I go. I have to protect it. I have to protect my little san- my little safe sanctuary that the bachelorettes haven't found. There are a few coffee shops that the bachelorettes haven't found. It's just, you just have to really, really just suit up, gear up, and get ready to encounter them when you go out on the town. Earplugs, Tylenol. And this is for the people not on the bachelorette trip. This is for the people who are dealing with it. So Ron, I'm a little bit jealous, a little jealous that you are, uh, that you're moving away. I mean, I love Nashville. Don't get me wrong. Okay, Ron, before we go, what's your move date? Wednesday. So whatever the fifth. Yeah. Next Wednesday, the fifth. So sad. So sad. Well, all of us Nashville residents will surely miss you and Kristen. I know we'll be we'll be back. Ron is mm-hmm. still going to be with Beacon. He'll be around at the state house when it's time for the legislative session. He'll still be he'll still be around, but he won't be literally right down the street from me yeah. uh, anymore. But we will definitely miss you, Ron. Any final thoughts before we sign off for the week? No, just uh, thanks for having me. Seriously, prayers for those dealing with the you know devastation Truly. in Florida, and uh, it's been fun and. You know, we'll hope to join again sometime. You can give us a Go Pack Go if you want to. You are wearing your Packers shirt. Go Pack Go, baby. Roll Tide. Everybody in Florida, stay safe. And if you are looking for resources in which to give, we'll be sharing some of those on our social media pages. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. 